Welcome to the Essential Geopolitics podcast from Stratfor, a rain company. Your essential guide to major geopolitical developments and how they affect you and your business. I'm Emily Donahue. Today, a look at what happens for Japan now that its longest-serving prime minister, Shinzo Abe, resigned. Our guide is Evan Reese, Stratfor's Asia-Pacific analyst. Evan, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. Prime Minister Abe has been in office for nearly eight years. What prompted his early resignation? So publicly what they're citing is uh, chronic illness, ulcerative colitis, and, and he certainly has suffered from that for years now at this point. Uh, it was the reason that he resigned during a short-lived first term as prime minister in 2007 before making his comeback later. But I think there's other considerations at hand. Um before resigning, Abe only had a year left on his third term, and his legacy was extremely important to him. COVID-19 essentially destroyed any chance at cementing that final legacy. The Japanese economy is in tatters right now because of the, the COVID-19 impact on the global economy. Uh, the Olympics that were supposed to be held in Tokyo are postponed. Is that for the second time? Uh, so they've been postponed until, until 2021 at this point. So... In the near term, there's really nothing that that Abe can really do to gain some sort of wind. It's it's really just political losses for him until September 2021. So I think part of the reason he's leaving now is to cut those losses and to quit while he is, at least for now, ahead and leave those headaches to his successor. And can you explain to me how Japan will choose its next prime minister and who might be key contenders? So unlike what you might expect, Japan is not going to be holding a nationwide election. The Japanese political system is dominated by the ruling Liberal Democratic Party. It's a pillar of Japanese politics, and as of right now, it has very, very little political opposition. So the way that the transition is going to happen is it will be decided within the Liberal Democratic Party itself at during a party leadership election. And that's going to be even more limited than normal. Usually what they would end up doing is they would end up doing a vote among all the ruling party factions across the country, they're going to be citing COVID-19 and, and invoking some emergency clauses that will allow them to just do this among sitting lawmakers, so powerful people within the party uh, with a very limited role for the grassroots of the party. So that means that the party is going to be in control of this transition and able to, to pick a successor that it's interested in that will continue Abe's legacy uh, and not make any sorts of radical shifts. As of right now, the top contender is Abe's chief cabinet secretary, Yoshihide Suga. Uh, he would be, you know, the consummate Abe continuation. He has a close relationship with Abe. He's expressed support for Abe's policies across the board. So essentially, he would be something like Abe light for the near term. There's two other people contending, though. One is former defense minister Shigeru Ishiba, and the other is former foreign minister Fumio Kishida. Both of them have expressed some degree of skepticism at Abe's policies, but, you know, once again, we're not talking about Mavericks coming in and changing the whole way things are done in Japan, as you might see in another country. Well, if it's going to stay status quo with the ruling party, what, if any, impact would the transition have on the Japanese economy and even foreign policy? Well, I think what you lose when you lose Abe is you lose a degree of stability and continuity. Abe had been in office for, as you said, nearly eight years. Um, that hasn't happened with a Japanese prime minister in a long time. You've had the shifting in and out 
movement of prime ministers that sit for one to two years and then are out of office. Um, and that's relatively rapid, even compared to other democracies. You know, you know, U.S. presidents have four to eight year terms. And then neighbors such as Russia, you know, Russia has essentially a lifetime leader in Vladimir Putin. China, uh, Xi Jinping is, is essentially leader for life. So Abe was able to go toe to toe with world leaders in a way that other Japanese prime ministers have not. And he's managed to form pretty close working relationships with U.S. officials uh, and even engage in some outreach and, and opening up uh, to try to get the Chinese relationship back on track. Uh, all of that kind of goes away when Abe goes away. The person who's coming in now is only going to sit in office for a year before they face another contest. Uh, there's a degree of uncertainty as to what things will be like after that. Um, you could see a reassertion of factions within the LDP that could make Japanese politics a lot more of a revolving door like it was before. And that's not necessarily good for Japanese strategic continuity at a time when China is rising, there's a frozen territorial dispute with Russia, there's a trade war ongoing with South Korea. So Japan, Japan could find itself the player with a lot less long-term strategic thinking as compared to its allies and adversaries worldwide. Well, that's a lot to keep our eyes on. Thank you, Evan. Thank you so much, Emily. Evan Reese is Stratfor's Asia-Pacific analyst. Stratfor is a rain company. You can read more of Stratfor's comprehensive intelligence and forecasting on Japan and the Asia-Pacific region and stay abreast of what will happen next with a subscription to Stratfor Worldview. Check out the special price for podcast listeners at stratfor.com slash podcast offer. That's all one word, stratfor.com slash podcast offer. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.